Hey, Mike, it's Benny. How are you? Good, man. Thanks for calling in today. I appreciate the time, bro. Got to start off by saying thank you sincerely from the bottom of my heart as being a Sponge fan and going out and playing Rotting Pinata in its entirety. Why was the time right now to do that? You know, I got to tell you, we have done this in the past with some of the clubs. We've also done Wax Ecstatic in its entirety because it's been literally over 20 years since the Wax release. Honestly, what's happening now is we're kind of doing both. And I know it's a lot of material. On top of that, we're taking any requests from those records as well. So, I mean, it's kind of a daunting task, but I mean, we just feel that both of these records have kind of marinated for many, many years. It just feels good to play the records. It kind of puts it into like context with us now. So it just seems kind of right. Any uh, favorite that you've kind of dusted off and, and put back in this set? Anything stand out to you? It's like, oh, I look forward to playing that each night? Yes. Uh, got to be a bore off of the Wax record, off of, like, the Rotting record. I mean, we don't often play, like, Penny Wheels, Nita Menasha, but we're doing both of those in the set. So those songs are just coming off incredibly well. We're really pumped up about how they sound. So it's cool to kind of revisit it. Now I know why we recorded those songs in the first place. You know what I mean? It's like there's some validation with it. It's amazing what time and space will do for things when you go back and look on it, you know? Yeah, I think especially the Wax record in particular, because that record, you know, I never really thought about it too much after we recorded it. And then looking at it and playing those songs and rehearsing those songs, I'm just going, wow, this is kind of a cool record. I had to stand back for a second and go, I think we did something kind of cool back then without even realizing it. You also, at the same time, are putting out new music still. I mean, you had the beer sessions in 2016. So not just relying on the old catalog, but also thinking ahead and and to the next great albums that you'll be looking back on 20 years from now and playing in their entirety. We didn't think about doing a full record. When we got into the studio to do the beer session thing, I think the big catalyst was having the inspiration of some of our friends, some of our brewers coming in and propping up these sessions. It was looking like we were going to record singles, you know, why make a record these days when nobody buys a record? But we just thought, you know what, let's go in and record a record. Let's do an old school sponge, which is just walking into the studio with an idea, with a skeleton song and building it out, recording it in one day. You know, we made a record in 2013 called Stop the Bleeding. We were really proud of the record, but we spent a lot of time making it. Very meticulous recording, writing, the whole nine yards. That's not how we did things back in the day of Roddy Pinata. We were doing things back in the day where it's like Cloud was written and recorded the same day, and that's the actual master that's on the record. So we thought, you know what? We're going to fire up and do an old school sponge, and that's where we got the beer section. Awesome, man. I love that. It's amazing, too, the, the magic you can capture in just one take, and sometimes overthinking it and being too meticulous kind of gets in the, the way of that, that human error that we all love in music. That's the X factor that we really appreciate. And we kind of forgot, you know, because when you can sit in the studio for a long time when you have a budget, you really start to overanalyze and overthink, and you kind of, I think it removes the rock and roll of it. So this record, it's its raw, man. You can hear the counts at the top of the tune, and most of the vocal takes are like one take. Guitar solos are just what they are. I mean, literally, we walked into the studio with a song at about noon. We had bed tracks cut by three. By happy hour, we were talking to brewers, and by six, seven o'clock, we were cutting guitar solos. And that was it, one song per day. That's awesome, man. And it sounds like you're a big craft beer fan. (laughs) I've had the intense privilege of growing up in the state of Michigan where we got such an incredible craft beer scene. Uh, It is so healthy and so much fun, and there's so many good people. I think it's probably because of the vacuum of the automobile industry kind of imploding 
And people go, what do we do? Let's open a brewery, you know? And this is what we got, and I think it's just fantastic. Give me some of your favorites. What's your favorite style? Is he into the IPAs or the wheats or the stouts? Or what, what's your flavor? If I've had everything else during the day, I would love a stout. And I love the stouts, man. I really get it. Uh, you know, Rochester Mills are the great milkshake stouts. They are known for that kind of thing. But if I'm going for a session beer, man, I'm probably going for a lager. Uh, that's, that's my thing. Atwater's got a fantastic lager that uh, that I, I certainly appreciate. However, I got some great local breweries in my area that just brew a fantastic uh, you know uh, assortment of beers. One certainly would be an IPA. But I got to tell you, if I'm drinking steady during the day, I'm going after a session beer for sure. Yeah, man, I'm I'm addicted. I'm every weekend at another brewery and uh, love it. I, I'm more into the IPAs. I'm an IPA guy, like the session IPAs, the West Coast IPA, East Coast IPA, but they're all good, man. Yep. And I kind of think it's like music in a way, like going to a brewery is kind of like checking out a band's album. Like you get to hear, you know, taste the lagers and the stouts and the IPAs, kind of like track one, track two, track three. I kind of feel like some similarities between the two. Oh, without a doubt. But there's a ton of passion that goes into it. There's a ton of science that goes into making beer. It's not too different to me than music. Although it's like you can know all the science of the beer, but still not get it right. And that's where the magic comes in, that X factor. That's why it feels there's so much in common with music and making beer. It's just like, man, when it's right, it's the X factor, and it's just dynamite to enjoy. Kid Rock running for Senate. You going to vote for him? You know what? He has not officially, I know he's putting the feelers out there, but he has not officially put his name in a hat. You know what I'm saying? So it's just like I'm waiting to see if he puts his name in a hat, and then i got to see what his uh, views are on uh, certain things. At that point, I will just make my decision, you know. But make no mistake, this stuff that's been going on in Detroit about Bob being a racist and all this kind of BS, man, I think that couldn't be further from the truth. I think Bob is a great guy. And, um, uh, you know, he just opened up uh, a brand-new stadium uh, with his performance. Not his stadium, but he was the first act in, and he got a lot of flack uh, for that, unfortunately. There was a big article in Detroit uh, Free Press over the weekend, and they were talking about ICP, even Eminem, you know, getting politically active. I mean, they gave ICP gang status in uh, this country, which was like the FBI. They uh, they uh, signified them as a gang, <laughs> and these guys are just out, you know, they're being juggalos, man. But are they an organized gang? No, they're not an organized gang. You know what I'm saying? So yeah. it's just like... There's a lot of politics going on right now with some of these great uh, Detroit uh, groups. Uh, Eminem as well, uh, Kid Rock for sure, and ICP. You know, let me get your opinion on something else. One thing that I always uh, yell about and, and rant and rave about on the radio, something I really miss from music that you've actually been a part of a few different times. I'm talking about soundtracks. I think like movies and music yeah. together, it's like the perfect combo. It's like peanut butter and jelly. And, and I wish that's something that Hollywood would get back to. But I'm curious because you've been on a couple soundtracks. Talk about that experience and, you know, how, how does that work exactly when a band gets on a soundtrack? Well, we've been on some Kevin Smith soundtracks, and some Kevin Smith movies. And he was a fan of the band. But back then, it was like you would have a director doing a movie who was a fan of a group, and all of a sudden, you know, a bunch of bands in a movie like Clerks, you know, uh, or Mall Rats, or, or whatever, you know? So it's like, I always found that really interesting, but 
I believe it's really gotten important for any labels that still exist to market a band via a, a song in a movie, you know. We don't sell records anymore, but bands seem to um, up their profile when they do something like a movie, you know. It's a single, it's in a movie, or it's a collaboration with another uh, artist. Uh, so what you have is a collaboration with an artist in a movie. Uh, what could be better to promote an artist in a song? So, I mean, I we we just happened to get involved in these kind of things years ago. And maybe being on a major label didn't hurt. Because quite frankly, for me to do licensing these days, being an artist that is independent, very difficult, uh, unfortunately. If you have some kind of affiliation with a label and or an incredibly, insanely huge fan base, I think you're going to do okay. But music licensing was like the holy grail for a while for a lot of bands that acted independently like Sponge, but these days the well is run dry because everybody seems to want to do it. Yeah, and I wonder if that's what they're doing too. Like if Hollywood just like, well, screw it, we'll just pay some kid with a keyboard to make, you know, song-alikes or feel-alikes for what I'm looking for rather than pay the artist. Oh, I mean, it happens all the time, man. It really does, and I know there's been lawsuits over these kind of things, but that's, that's kind of what they go for. But when you're spending that kind of money on a movie, you want a slam dunk, you know what I mean? So it's just like it better kind of be in that vein of what you were thinking with the initial original artist or it's just not worth spending your money on. So that's it. That's the way it goes. But, yeah, it's like that's why we still considered making a record. But licensing doesn't do it anymore for us, man. Being on the road, doing the shows, selling records on the road, that's where it really makes an impact for us. So that's where we kind of put our focus. Let me get your opinion on one more, one last thing here, and I appreciate all the time today. I'm glad, glad we got to wrap. Instead of the big four, I've come up with the next generation, calling it the Flannel Five. Okay. And here's the Flannel Five, and I want to know who, who's your numero uno off this list. We're talking okay. Nirvana, Pearl Jam, Alice in Chains, Stone Temple Pilots, Soundgarden. Uh, I've recently seen Alice in Chains. You know, we, we went to the show last year. We were at the Steel Stacks in Pennsylvania, and um, Alice was playing right next door at a casino. And we went to see the fellas. We hung out with them, and they sounded just fantastic. You know what I mean? Really, really great. I don't know who would take Cornell's place. There's, there's no such thing. They're still out there doing it. I mean, who else would we have? It'd be, it'd be Alice, I guess is my answer, but it's by, I guess by default, you know? I, I, and I'm so heartbroken about what's going on. Cornell. Cornell, man, and, and uh, Scott, it, it's just heartbreaking. I can't even, I can't, it stops, it stops my thinking, to be quite frank with you. So I guess it would be Alice. You know, Will sounds fantastic with Alice and Chains, and, and that's all I can say about that. Give me, give me your favorite uh, song or two. Name it. Name your favorite song of, or two of Alice in Chains. Your favorites. What comes to mind? Damn that river. Yeah. It's always been a, a, a huge uh, favorite of mine. Mine and too. And um, but I would probably just talk to uh, what Sean said about Rooster Man. It's, he goes, "How long are people going to love a song about a chicken?" So, yeah, I would <laughs> say Rooster. <laughs> That's brilliant, man. All right, brother. Good to talk to you. No, I'm glad we made it work, and I appreciate the time, and have a great rest of your Sunday. And... You got it, Mike. Take care. Bye-bye. Bye.